0: have your Bibles, would you turn to Romans chapter 13? Romans chapter 13. Let us pray. Lord, every time I stand behind this sacred desk to open up your holy word, to talk to your redeemed people about your glorious son. I'm so humbled. But at the same time, Lord, I am emboldened because I know that your word will never return void. That your word is a two-edged sword That your word is the truth and we need to hear the truth. And it's not my ability to preach it, teach it, or explain it. But the word is going to do what the word is going to do with or without me or even in spite of me. So Lord, I step out of the way that you may... Receive the glory on the platform that is rightfully yours as Lord to talk to your people and we all depend on the Holy Spirit to give us ears to hear the heart to change and the ability to live it out may we interact well with you during this time whether we are 9 or 90 you have a word for us And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 13. In our final message in this series called It's Time. Our final message today. Next week we'll start a new series called Wonder Women. And supermen, how God can do great things through ordinary people. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And Paul said, and do this. And we've learned several weeks ago that he's saying, based on the context, that it's time to love one another and do this. What is that, Paul? Love one another. Knowing the time and we talked for a couple of weeks about it's time to know the time and we looked at what God was and is doing with the nation of Israel and how we are to look at them as far as his divine clock in terms of his return so it's high time or rather excuse me verse 11 and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep so we said it's time to wake up but now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And so we entitled that message, is Time to Get Sanctified. And then last week, verse 13, Let us walk properly as in the day. In other words, let us walk right. Not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but here we are today, verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So when Paul says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to call this message, It's Time to Get Dressed. It's time to get dressed. Now, when we read this passage, there's a temptation to try to fall under legalism. And legalism is man's attempt at living righteous based on man's rules. But we know that legalism does not produce righteousness. And the reason why I say that is we'll look at this and say, i got to start casting stuff off. And i got to start putting stuff on. And yes, our faith should motivate us to action. But as we'll see today that religion or legalism these are works of the flesh but we want to make sure that we are led by the spirit of God especially in the practice and pursuit of holiness and sanctification and one thing about legalism we know is that legalism comes up with formulas that if you do this then this will happen spiritually if you follow a b c and d then this will happen for you follow these rules And what I love about Romans is that there are no rules to follow here because in verse 12, Paul says, let's cast off the works of darkness and let's put on the armor of light. And as we talked about sanctification on that Sunday, we talked about how sanctification is a process where we are turning from ungodliness and turning to the Lord, turning to God that we're turning from and we're turning to, that there's this process of saying no and saying yes. And some of us, if we're not careful, will just jump in and say that that's the formula for godliness. Pastor said that you got to cast off and put on, you got to say no, you got to say yes. But in verse 14, Paul throws that formula off because rather than starting with what not to do, He starts with what to do in verse 14. He says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and now the negative, and make no provision for the flesh. And so we see two different ways to approach sanctification or godliness. We can approach it uh, starting with the negative first, take off, then put on, or start with the positive, put on, and then make no negative. So I said all that to say, let's be careful of not slipping into rules-based relationships or righteousness with God. This is a fellowship. This is a walk with him. And sometimes in this walk, there is no path. There are no rules to follow except love God and love your neighbor. And so I just hope that that encouraged somebody today that there is no formula for godliness. There are no ABC one, two, threes. You do this and you'll be all right. No, no, no. It's draw nigh to God. That's the principle. But Paul says, he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask the question, what does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, technically, we are already clothed with Christ. Technically. The same writer said in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Christ. have put on Christ. Christ. And so when Paul talks about baptism in Galatians 3, he's not talking about water. He's talking about something that happens by the Holy Spirit, whereby he immerses you or places you into the body of Christ when you say, I accept Jesus as my Savior. There is a transition that happens from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You are translated, you are taken, you are immersed, you are baptized into the body of Christ by one spirit. Paul even said that again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. We are immersed or baptized into one body by the spirit through faith in Christ. So we're talking about identification and where we are placed by position. And when we're placed into Christ when we are justified or declared righteous in the sight of God because of what Jesus did on Calvary and through the empty grave, when we are baptized into the body, we are also clothed with him. We have put on Christ. So Christ is our garment. Why is that so important? Because the Bible says in John chapter 17 that the Father has loved us even as he has loved his Son. And through what Jesus did by dying on the cross for us, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that Christ knew no sin. We know sin, but he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. There was a trade at Calvary. He took our penalty and he gave us his righteousness so that when the father, his father looks at us, not only does he love us like his son, but we look to him just like his son looks. He's the firstborn among all of creation. He is the first fruits of our redemption. We look like Jesus to God. We are righteous to God just like Jesus is righteous to God. And that's so important so that we can stop trying to earn righteousness and just receive and believe that we have righteousness imputed or given to us. I love the story in the Old Testament of when Isaac said, I'm going to bless my children. I'm going to bless specifically my son Esau. But we know that the promise or the blessing was supposed to go to Jacob and not to Esau. And so, what Jacob decided to do to get the blessing from his father was that he dressed up like he was Esau. He put on Esau's clothes. He killed an animal and put the hairy skin on himself because Esau was a hairy man. And he went into his father's presence to get the blessing, dressed like Esau and even having hair like Esau because his father Isaac could barely see. So he heard Jacob's voice but he smelled Esau. He knew something was going on but he said anyway come here my son and when he came near Jacob came dressed like Esau but really Isaac and when Isaac smelled Jacob He smelled Esau on Jacob. And once he got the whiff of the smell, he then gave him the blessing. So Jacob got the blessing from Isaac by trickery, by dressing like Esau. But we don't get the blessing of God by trickery. We get it by trust. We get it by faith. When we go into the presence of the Father, we are dressed like Jesus and dig this. We even smell like Jesus. We look like Jesus to the Father, and God blesses us, not because of trickery, but by faith that we've placed in his son Jesus. Oh, it's important how you're dressed, how how you're clothed today. Because if you are not clothed with Christ, you are naked and you are still in your sin. You are a recipient or at least a future recipient of judgment, of hell, and of death. You need to put some clothes on so that you can stand into the presence of God. But without the righteousness of Jesus, his robes on you, you can't stand in the presence of God. But if you say, Jesus, I want to be saved. Jesus, I want to be forgiven. Jesus, I want to be made right with you. Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want my life to change. Save me. And the Bible says, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. And at that moment, God will clothe you with the righteousness of Jesus and baptize you, place you into the body of Christ. Then you take water baptism, the physical sign and symbol to show everybody what's been going on spiritually in your life. You come under the water as a sign that you've come under grace. Oh my, this is so awesome. So technically, we're already clothed with Christ. So Paul, why are you telling me to put on Christ? Well, to put on Christ coincides, number one, with putting on the armor of light, which he mentions in verse 12. The armor of light, as we learned, is the full armor of God in Ephesians 6. And each one of these pieces in the armor is a picture or a representation of Jesus Christ. So when I put on the armor, I'm putting on Christ. Because to put on Christ, the one I'm already clothed with, is to apply Christ to my situation. So to put him on, Paul is saying, I know you're clothed with him, but put him on. In other words, apply him right now to your situation. It's like applying a bandage to a cut. When you hurt yourself, somebody applies a bandage. Paul is saying, apply Christ to the cuts and scrapes that are in your life today. Yes, you are seated with him in heavenly places, but bring him down to earthly spaces where you dwell. Make him relevant, make him real in your life. Just don't be satisfied you're going to heaven anyhow. Bring heaven down because for God, it's all about relationships. He wants to walk with us. He wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives. So to put him on is to apply him. To put on Christ is to believe and depend on him. It is to believe the gospel today. The gospel that not only saves me from my sin, but reminds me of how precious and how valuable and even how powerful I am because of the risen Savior. The gospel is just not for lost people to get them saved. The gospel is for saved people to continue to walk like saved people. I've got to believe today that God loves me. I've got to believe today that Jesus died for me and rose from the grave for me. And so preaching the gospel to myself is applying Christ and depending on Christ for whatever I'm going through. Because if God did not spare his only son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not get me through what I'm going through today? So I got to apply Christ. I got to believe the gospel today. To put on Christ is to transfer Christ to a uh, deleted account or, or a depleted account rather. To put him on is to transfer him to a depleted account. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, money. There are times I have to make a purchase, but I know that based on the purchase I just made, my bank account has been depleted. So I look at my account online and I say, man, okay, I want to buy this or do that, but there's not enough in my account. So let me go to my savings account can anybody say savings account? Amen. Amen. It's good to have a savings account, live by a budget. Amen. That's good stewardship. Because sometimes you might have to make a transfer from the savings account into your operational account so that you can make a withdrawal. And, and, and applying Christ means that sometimes I'm going through life and I'm struggling. Man, I'm worn out. I'm weak. And I don't know what I'm about to do. I may bounce a check. Uh, uh, in relationships up in here. So what I got to do, I got to apply Christ. I got to transfer Christ into my empty account. In other words, I need him to fill me up again. Cause I, if, Oh, because being empty, I will make some mistakes. Being empty, I'll embarrass his name. But Lord, I got to put you on. I got to make a transfer. Jesus, would you fill up this empty vessel? Jesus, would you take care of this depleted soul right now? Because Jesus can't fill us if we're filled with us. We have to be empty, which is a good thing, so that he can fill us. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I take pleasure in being weak. Because when I'm weak through Christ, that's when I'm strong. So when we, you know, live and we get weak and tired and worn, God says I'm here to fill you. You got to put me on, Chris. You got to transfer this righteousness, this power that I have in heaven, you got to transfer it into your life. Because to put on Christ is to cover up with Christ like you, you need a blanket on a cold day. To put on Christ is to get dressed with Christ. Now, if I played football for the National Football League and I got drafted by the Saints, Yeah, 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 I got drafted by the New Orleans Saints. And the day they draft me and I signed the contract, I am a saint. By position, I am on the saints and I am a saint. But what good is being on the saints if I never put on the uniform? I'm on the team, but in order to play this thing out, which is really my purpose to play the game, I can't play the game without getting dressed like a saint. I got to put on the equipment, which is the armor, and then I got to put on the jersey, which is the righteousness or the clothing, you know, that covers the armor. So I'm on the Lord's team. Thank God he drafts bums. Thank God he drafts scrubs. He put us on his team, made us saints by position. And then he says, I got a uniform that I want you to wear every day. I got armor that I want you to put on every day. Put these pads on, put this jersey on, and walk like who you are. Live like whose team that you're on. Put on Christ today. Don't live for yourself. Because if I choose, choose not to put on Christ every day, throughout the day, my flesh will naturally dominate me, defeat me, and destroy me. If I'm not intentional to live godly and to do godly things, I will naturally do ungodly things. I don't care. How saved you are or how long you've been saved. If you're not intentional to be godly, the Bible says, for as bodily exercise profits a little, so is godliness with contentment great gain. In other words, I have to be intentional to work my spirit just like I work my body in order to see results in the physical or even in the spiritual realm. And so I have to be intentional to get involved in the spiritual disciplines. I dedicate myself unto devotion so that I can grow spiritually. I'm not devoted to discipline. No, I discipline myself to love him. I discipline myself to worship him. I discipline myself to read his word, to memorize his word, to come to church, to give to him. Because if I don't do these things, there are other things that are going to happen naturally that are contrary God. Paul said in Romans 7 verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. I'm about to send some humble pie out here to everybody today. (laughs) Uh Just to let you know, yeah, you're saved, thank God, Uh but you're not all that you're saved but on your best day and in your best moment when you do good evil is still present with you and as Paul said it's still in you because of your flesh so Paul said in Romans 13 but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts So now Paul is talking about this battle that wages within every Christian between the spirit of God and the flesh of man. And everybody goes through it. I don't care how high up the food chain you are spiritually, you still have flesh attached to you, which means that you're still a wretched person, even though you're righteous because of Christ. I'm saying all that to say, don't put nobody on a pedestal. Oh, man, y'all not hear me. Y'all ready to go out and eat hot dogs and get the treats? I know that, but hold on. The only person worthy of our worship is Jesus. And the only person able to, to stand the spotlights and the scrutiny of man is Jesus. When we start putting people on these pedestals, they can't handle the spotlight and their flaws begin to show. And people who are worshiping people stop worshiping God because they put their faith in people. And when those people fail, so does their so-called faith in God fails. But every person, let's just get it straight. In other words, cheer up, Christians. You're worse off than you think you are. You're worse than you think. We're going to talk about the flesh. But at the same time, cheer up because you're blessed more than you can ever know because of what God has done for us. Let's get into this, and so I can move to a close. The flesh, the flesh. What is the flesh? Well, context is the best interpreter of the word flesh. Context is really the best interpreter for anything, but especially the word flesh, because it's used different ways in the Bible. Context tells us what it means. Three things about flesh. Number one, flesh speaks of the human body, 1 Corinthians 15, 39, where Paul said, there is a flesh of men, and there is a flesh of animals. So animals have flesh, humans have flesh. So there are different kinds of flesh, and so there's a flesh that speaks of the human body. But then secondly, there is the flesh that speaks of the unregenerate person." or the carnal person who doesn't know God, the unbeliever, the pagan. Romans 8:8 says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Unbelievers cannot please God. The only way an unbeliever can please God is to receive the grace that God is giving the unbeliever to become a Christian. Otherwise, an unbeliever cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh can't please God. But the flesh, number three, that we're dealing with and we're working with for most of us in this house today is what speaks of the unregenerate aspect of the regenerate person. All right. So there is the flesh that speaks of the human body. There is the flesh that speaks of an unregenerate or unborn again, unbelieving person. But then thirdly, there is the flesh that speaks of the unregenerate aspect of the regenerate person. I became regenerated or made alive in 1984. That's when I became a new creation in Christ. I became regenerate, but I still had this thing attached to me called my flesh. There's an unregenerate reality still attached to one who is regenerated. And there's a daily struggle, the process of sanctification where we're growing and becoming more and more like Jesus by the help of the Holy Spirit and obedience to him that we look like Christ until we go and see Christ and we're made just like it. So until that day, we're all in a process. And so Paul said in Romans 7, 24, Paul, the great leader, Paul, the great church planner, Paul, the one who through the power of God raised people from the dead, Paul said, I am the chief of sinners still. Not I was, I is, present tense, the chief of sinners because you got some Christians trying to walk around today day and act like they don't sin. Right. Taking stuff way out of context from 1 John. But 1 John says, if you try to say you have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth isn't in you. Paul said in Romans 7:24, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am. Not that I was. No, because truth is. When you become righteous by faith in Christ, you become born again, you get regenerated. The closer you get to God in sanctification, the more aware of your sin you become. The more you walk in the light, the more you see the darkness in your life. And so that's why, man, you, you can't act like you've arrived. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. You may not be doing some of them things you used to do, but God now starts calling out stuff like your attitude, your mouth, your eyes, your heart. And when your heart condemns you, God is still greater than your heart. But the closer you get to him, the more you see you're not like him. And that's why we need grace, grace, grace. Oh my goodness. Paul said, I'm a wretched man. Who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? And he goes on to say, thanks be to God through Jesus. He's my deliverer, not just in 1984, but today in October 2017, he's still my deliverer. I need him today to deliver me from myself, to deliver me from Satan, to deliver me from the world. I need him to deliver me from temptation. I need a savior, and his name is Jesus, Yeshua, the Lord who saves he didn't save me so then I could turn around and start saving myself. No, he saved me so that I could know that there is a Savior who's in the world today. And no matter what, oh, I'm trying to quote to him, I don't know it. Let me move on. I know that he is with me no matter what men may say. I've seen his hand of mercy. I've, and all the time, he's all. Christ Jesus lives. He and a long life. He lives. He lives. Salvation. We gotta hit it right. Salvation too? You ask me how? He with him. Oh Lord, thank you, Randall. I know you love them hymns, baby. I need him today because the flesh is nasty today. The flesh is a wretched sin principle that resides in each believer. I was born into Adam, thus being born into sin, but I thank God I was born again into Christ and into his righteousness. I am no longer in Adam, I'm in Christ, but because I'm still human, Adam is attached to me through the flesh. And so the flesh is this thing that is corrupt and is trained and it goes against God. And I won't be freed from this corrupt flesh until I see Jesus in heaven. And until that day, I groan to be clothed with my new dwelling place. Because this old building got leaks in it. I can dress it up. Put makeup on it, get my hair cut, put a new suit on. But there's leaks in this old building. So I'm waiting for a new building, not made with hands. Because this flesh has lusts. That's what Paul said in verse 14. It has lusts or cravings, and it wants to fulfill those lusts. And these lusts, according to Galatians 5, verse 17, are opposite of God. They go in the opposite direction that the Holy Spirit wants to take us in. They are contrary. Living with the flesh is like living with a monster. You see, every Christian is like the moon. We got some light, but we also have a dark side. It's called the flesh. This monster is real, but it doesn't have to dominate us. The only person powerful enough to defeat this monster is the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So the way that we grow in sanctification is not by grit, but it's by grace. It's not by trying to uh, will this thing out through my human power. No, it's submitting my human power to Holy Ghost power so that together we deal with this flesh because it is exacerbating and futile to try to live for God in your own strength. The Holy Spirit is called the helper for a reason. Let him help you. We need to submit to him. We need to walk with him. And as we do that, Paul said in Galatians, we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. But I got to let you know, we have desires. And that flesh will talk to you about the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. It will crave all kinds of things. It doesn't take a vacation. It doesn't go to sleep. It talks constantly. It allures constantly But that's why God says I'm giving you my spirit and he won't leave you and he won't forsake you. So as alive as the flesh still is, the Holy Spirit is in you as well. And it's a choice of who will we submit to in this moment? Paul says in Romans that there's this law in us. There's a law called the law of the flesh and the law of sin and death. And the only way to get free from that law is for another law called the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ. That sets us free from this law of sin and death in our flesh. And the best way I can think of illustrating this to you about these laws that are working in us is that the law of gravity says if you go up, you're going to go down. Gravity pulls you down. But there is a law that can defeat the law of gravity at least momentarily and that's the law of aerodynamics speed and combustion it's called an airplane airplanes defy gravity every time they fly there's a law that says come down but another law says I can stay up And so when I'm walking in this life, there is something in me that's pulling me down every day all the time. But there's someone in me calling me to rise every time. And as I submit to him, we're able to overcome the flesh that wants to take me down and destroy me. So I can fly on the Holy Ghost Airlines as I submit as a passenger of Christ. But here's the thing. Every airplane at some point has got to come in to refuel. It just can't stay up there. And that's why as we're filled with the Spirit, we spring a leak, we run out, we get tired, and that's when we got to get refueled again. I got to get in His presence again. I got to get in His Word again. Because if I don't do that, my flesh is going to keep bringing me down, down, down. A lot of us are dealing with real depression. Some of us are dealing with a kind of spiritual depression that can only be defeated by getting in God's presence because in his presence there is fullness of joy. So some of us need medication. Other of us us don't need medication. We need to get into the prayer closet and get into the face of God and, and allow us to be lifted in his presence. Oh my, this is real. This is the real stuff. As I close, the flesh is like a horror movie. And the villain in a horror movie. You can kill it. But then it's coming right back. You thought you'd kill. You, you got victory today. Over that thing that got you down yesterday. Depression, lust, lying, stealing, envy, gossip, coveting. Oh man, you got victory today. And like in them horror movies, you're just sitting down at the end on the church bench. Thank you, Lord, for what you did. Flesh said, you got me yesterday, but I'm coming back today. And when it comes back today, jumping up out of the water like Jason to get you, you got to then apply what you did yesterday to have victory today. You got to crucify the flesh. You got to put it to death. And like Paul said, make no provision for it. How do we make provision for the flesh? We make provision for the flesh when we don't be true with ourselves about what we struggle with. James says we're all drawn away by our own lusts and entice. So what may draw you away may not draw me away. But if I'm not honest about the stuff that draws me away, how can Jesus be an anchor for my soul? If I'm trying to fool God by saying, no, it ain't no problem. I don't have no problem with this. I don't struggle with that. Then the Lord can't be my Savior and help me through it. But the minute I admit to him that it's not an affair, it's adultery. The minute I admit it to him and say, I need some help, then the Savior steps in and says, we're going to overcome this together right now. Put me on right now, and we'll have victory in this moment. Make no provision. For the flesh. Young people are here today. I want to remind you of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Daniel made up his mind ahead of time. Daniel 1a says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. Nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So Daniel said, I see them giving out this wine that's been dedicated to these false gods. I don't want to make myself impure as a Jewish young man. So so I'm going to purpose in my heart that when they come around to me with that alcohol, I'm going to say, no, I'm not drinking it. When they come around to me with that meat that's been sacrificed to idols, no, I'm not eating it. But what a lot of us do is we don't make up our mind ahead of time. Or we're not honest with ourselves with the stuff that attracts us. And we're in the moment, and the flesh takes over, and we can't hear the voice of the Spirit because God has become unreal to us in a moment where we're captured by temptation. But a lot of times, we can endure temptation if we make up our mind ahead of time that I'm not going out like that. So when they call you and say, you want to come to the party, Uh, who going to be there? what y'all going to be doing. Because if so-and-so is there, that ain't good for me. If y'all are doing this, that ain't good for me. I'm going to make up my mind before I get up in there and about, I don't know if I should do this. No, I'm going to make up my mind ahead of time. I ain't going to make provision for my flesh. If I'm trying to cut back on ice cream, Lord have mercy. Why buy ice cream and put it in the house? Because in a moment of weakness, you'll go to it. But let me tell you how slick the flesh is. The flesh says, What's wrong with buying ice cream? Aren't y'all gonna have a party and people coming over? Uh, uh, Didn't y'all get, you got some guests coming over. You wanna have a dessert for them. But the flesh is like, Yeah, yeah, it's telling me that. But I know the flesh is saying, We gonna eat that ice cream because ain't no guests coming. And at that moment, in Kroger, I'll What am I going to do? I usually fall and fail in those moments. But when I wake up my mind ahead of time saying, now, when you go in Kroger, do not buy ice cream. In Jesus' name, amen. And when that happens, I have victory. Pastor, does it take all that? (laughs) Yes, it does. Amen, 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 amen. But one day, everybody, this corruptible is going to put on incorruptible. This mortal is going to put on immortality, and this struggle that we have every day will cease when we get a new body that's made like Jesus' body, and there won't be that internal struggle with the flesh anymore. My goodness, thank you, God. Let me dismiss all of the trunk hosts at this time. If you are a trunk host, you are dismissed at this time. Trunk hosts, go ahead out. Trunk hosts, you are dismissed. See, it's a good thing I can't sing. I'd be singing every Sunday. See, when I sing them hymns and stuff, man, boy, if I could sing, I'd be like, I'd be going in every week. <laughs> but I'm going to make a joyful noise Jewel when you're leading worship sometimes I feel like I'm so loud that I'm throwing the people off up here you know I'm making a no- i I'm out of tune I'm just, but I'm loud and I love God and I'm going to bless him ah boy 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 thank you for the hymns Lord alright if you're planning to participate in trunk retreat We're going to dismiss you in a moment to go down to the fellowship hall so you can eat whatever lunch you may have bought. We also have some food available, but it's limited. So children are going to receive an orange ticket for a free hot dog meal because we have a food truck vendor outside. If your child does not have a ticket, Miss April will be at the table in the main foyer for your child to get a ticket. Now, adults... Don't let me see you with an orange ticket in your hand. And kids don't have a ticket. And you sitting there eating a hot dog while the kid is crying. No, we're going to lay some hands on you. Ain't going to happen, all right? Let the kids get the, and if anything's left over, you can get a hot dog. And if you have a ticket or you're planning to purchase from the food truck, please access it through guest services area, also in the hallway. There will be a person to direct you. Then you'll go back to the fellowship hall to eat. And for safety reasons, we are asking that everyone remain in the fellowship hall until Miss Felicia dismisses us to the parking lot. So don't run out to the parking lot just yet. Let the folks get ready with their trunks. Let people who aren't staying leave off the parking lot. And then once everything is set in place, then we'll open the doors and let the captives free to get the candy amen all right well let's stand on our feet we're heading down to the fellowship hall where we will wait for instructions from miss felicia let's pray strong tower oh god thank you for giving us your word thank you god for giving us power to live for you in this world so that people may see Christ even in our brokenness even in our imperfections because Lord we can tell them don't focus on me solely focus on the God who is at work in me oh God make us ministers of the gospel help us share our testimony so that people who are out there struggling can recognize we haven't been saved our whole life and we're still struggling with some things too but by grace Thank you, God. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think, and it's according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory, the majesty, the dominion, and the power, both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Please head on down to the fellowship hall.